0: Produced by the Commission for Global Dimensions of Student Development, ACPA and Anchor, Global Connections aim to connect folks from all functional areas interested in cross-cultural learning, development of intercultural competencies, internationalization, and student services around the world. Welcome to this episode of Global Connections. I am your host, Xiao Yun Sim, and this is the living room space where we invite our guests to share about their stories and narratives. Hi, Jenny. It's really nice to have you here on our Global Connection podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Jenny, or you can call me Chien E. It's really nice to be able to see you again. I remember when we first met was actually when I was an international student at University of Nebraska Lincoln and you were the team leader that kind of oriented me life in the United States and life in Nebraska. And today I have the opportunity to interview and have you share a little about yourself and where you are currently. And and really happy to
1: hear that uh, I made a little differences. During your life in Nebraska, that was my turning point that made me come into higher education, which I will share a little bit more later. Currently, I'm working at International Schools Partnership. Um, It's a UK based uh, company. I'm currently in the regional office in the Southeast Asia region as their career and university guidance counselor. So, we do a lot of career services uh, support and for. Not just for two students, but also to staffs, because we have about seven schools around the region, giving them the right tools and resources and stuff like that.
0: Oh, well, that's really cool that you not just support students, you support staff as well. Jenny, can you Perfect. tell us a little about what were some of the factors that made you decide to go back to your home country, Malaysia? Yes.
1: Um, so I've always wanted to go back to Malaysia because uh, obviously this is my home. I always wanted to bring my knowledge back and help students who are struggling, looking for the right pathway back in home, because I know higher ed in Malaysia, we do have the support, but it's not as robust as the United States. So I wanted to bring my experience, my uh, knowledge and stuff like that back here to support students because I think there's lots of room to, for improvements, but there are elements that are essential for students like career advising, they're there and uh, academic advising, but a lot of times we're not following like theories and like all those development theories that we learn. So like how I can use those and then share it with my colleagues and stuff like that. Those are really exciting for me, um, so I'm really excited that I'm back here
0: right now. Speaking a little about being a global student affairs professional, and I think that you experience working in the United States as a student affairs professional before transitioning back home. I know that you did share a little about you at University of Nebraska-Lincoln working with students, and maybe that was the reason why you went into student affairs, but what made you decide to pursue a higher education administration program? Um,
1: It's a very long story, but I love sharing it. Obviously, I came from a science background since high school. So like from high school to college in Malaysia, we don't really have a lot of like exploration of uh, careers and pathways and stuff like that so it's I was really struggling with it because I was not sure what I wanted to be because we're so focused on like academics and and just doing studying and completing practice questions and stuff like that so I was like not really sure what I wanted to do so I just picked something that I was good at like science so I did engineering and then I did biochemical uh, biochemistry and stuff like that and I was like these are not really my thing and then the moment when I came through this opportunity at Lincoln um, to be an orientation leader, I was like, this is my thing. So I went for it and then I got, I got the uh, opportunity to be one of it. Throughout the whole summer during my orientation time it was really life-changing because I was helping all these students with all these smaller things like campus tours with uh, there's not just the students but also with families helping them with course enrollments getting to know that uh, helping them to get to know campuses all these other things that all these smaller changes that I made in their life motivates me and it gave me a sense of fulfillment so that's why um, I was like I really want to do this I want to continue helping students and support them in all ways I can. And so I was like talk talking to my supervisor and say like what is something I can do? Like I want to be you. And then she's like, do you know about student affairs or higher education? And I was like, I do not know this This is a this is an area or major I can do. Talk to her more, find out and talk to more other staff on campus. And then they were like recommending all these different institutions, introducing me to like people, connecting me with other networks. And I was like, oh, this is something I really want to do so I apply for it and then I go for it and that's why I'm in student affairs.
0: (laughs) No I don't think it's a long story and it's really just interesting to see how everyone wants to go into student affairs because of one experience that they have on campus and it's just really unique to each and everyone because they have student affairs professionals who supported them along the way and helping them discover their passion in um, supporting students so that is just really nice to hear from your perspective and what made you say yes to uh, pursuing a degree at that. Can you share a little about how has student support or your role changed during COVID-19 when you were still in the United States and now in Malaysia?
1: Yes, for sure. When I graduated, I went to Northeastern to be uh, one of the international coordinators for the study abroad program for the, called the NUN program. Obviously, because of COVID, we had to stay in the United States. So we did it in Boston. But that was a really exciting experience and very, very different, I would say. Um, other than everything moved online, including like staff training, which was initially supposedly be in Boston, we did all online before we go there. Like meeting with students, orientations, and a lot of like teachings and seminars all moved online. But Northeastern did some of the teachings uh, in person as well, especially because they wanted to make sure that students had the opportunities to meet each other. Um, so to have the chance to make connections and stuff like that. But we did try our best to like, you know, connect the students because one of the things that we hear most during COVID times is that students were having difficulties making connections, especially because my students were first semester freshmen. So they came from high school, they missed their graduation, they missed all these fun orientation elements and stuff like that. And they, ha- they definitely had a lot of expectations coming in. Because of COVID, we, we do not have the choice. So we had to move everything online. So it was, it was much more challenging for them to create a bond online, because you know, when, when you're on the screen, um, and you don't really know that person. So it's more challenging. And especially if it's in person, everyone has to have masks on and we have a very strict COVID social distancing rules. So everyone has to be six feet apart. So like you are in a huge, huge, huge room, but there's only 25 of you and all of you have one six feet table to yourself. So it's kind of like awkward sometimes. So like students were like, a lot of students came to us and be like, Iconic friends. I'm too stressed. I feel very alone. So that's uh, that's that's the role that we had, uh, you know, like to create programs. So we do a lot of outdoor programs as best as we can, following uh, protocols, obviously. So in smaller groups, smaller batches. So we have to do a lot, a lot, a lot of programs uh, repeatedly to help them, you know, make those connections. And we think about other ways, you know, like a lot of wellness programs that we're doing because we want to make sure that because during the winter, the weather is definitely colder in Boston. So we were like, if we do it indoor, what are some of the wellness programs that we can do to help them? Yeah, so we did focus a lot on wellness programs. We did focus a lot of like, you know, making connections and stuff like that. Um, Also, because I was a live in stuff. So obviously, our road changed a little bit because we have to police the social distancing rule. So sometimes we feel like we're like COVID police. And then students will be like, oh, they're just like, there to catch us and stuff like that. So it's kind of difficult to make connections with some of the students sometimes because they don't see us as a resources. They see us as the police. Those are some of the challenges and some of the changes during COVID times in the state. Back here in Malaysia, uh, because we're in the regional office, so we are not student-facing as often, and we do a lot of work from home for now. Because uh, in the beginning, schools were still online, and then they just start going back to school in March and April. So we just started um, going to school and visiting schools, but you know, there's there's students are still catching up with a lot of things. So we're trying to move into their schedule slowly because uh, high school students and, and primary school students, you, they, they have a tighter schedule compared to like college students that is more flexible. So yeah, those are some of the differences for now.
0: <laughs> Do you have a follow-up question? So you did mention about students were finding it hard to make connections during COVID time and having those social distancing and everyone having masks in terms of yourself as a professional what were some of the challenges for you to get yourself oriented to this new position yes uh
1: so for the for the boston with northeastern one we did a 3 weeks orientation all online. I ha- I really have to give them a kudo to all the st- staff over there. They did a really, really great job making that three weeks really meaningful. They, they had a really robust schedule all planned out, even though, you know, changes keep coming through, but we were all very resilient about all these changes and, and flexible. So they did a lot of sessions and they make sure that Each day, they will ask follow up questions like for feedback, um, for say, like, how did this day go? If we need to make changes, what are some of the changes you want to see? Or what are some of the elements you want to see more often during training? So they then they would just make changes accordingly. And when we ask for more team time, because we were separated into four teams, and even that we would just still continue being in four different teams when we were in Boston. So We asked for more team time because it's really uh, important for us to get bonded before we, you know, work together and stuff like that. So each day at the end of each day, they added like a team time and then they also have like a happy Friday, virtual Friday kind of thing, you know, just to make sure that we feel comfortable with uh, all the staff over there and all the full time staff over there also came to the training to make sure that they did all those icebreaker activities with us together, just so we, we know that they are there for us. They are they are always there to support us when when we need and stuff like that. And they're really open to feedback. And I'm really happy to see that because they, they really support the staff. They really put us in the center. And they are also very student-centered at the same time. So those are some of the things that I would say they did really good.
0: Yeah, it just sounded that you had an amazing experience working over there and The professional staff were also able to help you be successful in that role. How have you transitioned from your student affairs job that works with college students to your current job in Malaysia, working with younger
1: folks. Oh, um, so my current l- role—it's—it's it's a mouthful. My 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 title—it's called career and university guidance counselor. But because we work in a regional office, so we just say regional guidance counselor. <laughs> so it's easier, you know. Um, but basically, um, it's very similar to career advisors in colleges and universities, like institutions. But the student age group that I work with is definitely younger age. Like you said, we 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 do support students from our uh, ranging from age 14 to 18. And the good thing about working with international schools, some of the schools have pre-universities foundation courses, so like A-levels. And the other one is called NCUK Foundation Year. We support students in this age group, right? Because they're younger, we do a lot more of exploring pathways, um, not so much on like the internship part or like work placement. So we do a lot of exploring pathway because they are still looking for their interests. They're still figuring out their personality to see what careers and and subjects are best fit for them, right? Helping them to understand like what courses are uh, looking like what are some of the taste of lectures in universities look like what are some of the elements that you need to know when it comes to studying abroad like what countries have these rules or like work placements after you graduate and all these different things so those are the things that we help them explore because all these different factors will affect your decision making when it comes to choosing the, the their next journey right so obviously helping with them with networking as well because we want to make sure that they know some of the people working in those industries to come as a guest speakers and stuff like that uh, for career talks and then we obviously do one-on-ones with them so because they're younger group children sometimes parents will be in those meetings so there's a, the differences that when you work in a college parents are most likely not involved um, but working with younger group students parents want to be there because they're still under 18 so uh, parents will be there in some of the meetings and sometimes school principals will be there as well depending on the school size some of the smaller schools are uh, principal will be there. Some of the bigger schools, maybe just the uh, head of schools um, for that forum. And the so most importantly, one of a very different role that we do as well is to help parents understand um, the world of work. I'm sure you've probably heard of those, like, you know, people tend to push their children mm-hmm. to those very typical jobs. So a lot of times it's helping them to understand, like, what are some of these jobs look like? And what are some of the trends moving forward and educating them and to understand like doesn't doesn't mean that if they're not in these typical jobs that are not successful, there are many other successful stories out there as well. So showing them those examples are really um, important for my role.
0: Yeah, that's just really interesting to see. And from my personal experience, I'm a first generational student, and my parents didn't have any context about attending universities, how it works. And It would be so nice when I was going through that phase that I get to speak to someone who can give them kind of the framework of how attending universities or studying abroad looks like because I had to do a lot of the exploration myself, seeing a lot of questions. So it, it is really unique to hear from your role. You're not just working with students. You are also educating and putting on programming or informational sessions for parents. Do you think that like when you were meeting with students that parents were in um. the session is there a difference in messaging when you are speaking to students um, obviously we're trying to be student-centered um, so obviously we
1: put the students thoughts first and we always making sure that we remind parents like this is your child's uh, decision we hope that you will listen through and then if you have any opinions do share um, but we hope that you know let your students, let your children make the decisions themselves because this is their future. Um, this is their pathways and stuff like that. But definitely you, you are spot on. We ha- do have to be really careful about our wording sometimes because we have to understand like where the parents are coming from as well. Like what are the level of knowledge of the world of work outside? What is the trend? like do they know about the trends out there depending on the conversation there's no one fixed style I would say it really depends on the student itself like some of the students are quieter like the parents will do all the talking and then um, a lot of times sometimes the students they already know what they want and the parents are just very supportive so you, you get a very broad dynamic and you know it really depends there's no one style
0: <laughs> yeah and I think that it kind of just relates back to how higher ed works as well you're serving a different student population and you kind of need to adjust and be flexible when you're providing those individualized support and similarities that you've noticed
1: um similarities obviously student-centered support um we always put students first even though they're a younger age group we always wanted to make sure that they get the tools they learn all these information because these are going to be their future in the future like moving forward so obviously we're not trying to spoon feed them so a lot of times it's us trying to give them the tools and resources telling them that these are the places that you can look for information these are the places that you can look for connections and stuff like that so we also did like linkedin sessions just to walk them through like how do you create a linkedin account how to create a successful linkedin account like you have to have a professional uh, professional picture like it doesn't have to be like uh Suits and tie and stuff like that, but you need to look professional for an interview enough. And then a lot of times, like how you can build your profile based on your interests and stuff like that, how to make yourself stand out. So, one of the things we always share with students during those LinkedIn uh, sections is that, you know, a lot of times during LinkedIn on your profile, you know, like the about and summary section like a lot of you do leave out so those are like the highlights like we say you do have to put those out because it's the first thing like you know uh recruit is going to see like whoever's going to see they don't have those times they're just going to look at your summary so you want to make sure that you stand out you don't put too much information about like your uh uh, things that you put down in your education and stuff like that and skills but do make a little bit more personality to it because i don't know if you know this but you know in in asia countries uh students tend to you know. Not want to show too much of their personality because they're a little bit afraid uh, to be judged and stuff like that. <laughs> Making sure that they have that mentality, you know, like mindset, helping them understand that, you know, it's okay to show personality in, in an appropriate way and stuff like that, it's just to, you know, make yourself stand out and and those things. So those are definitely some of the similarities. We are still very student-centered. Um, we are trying to help them achieve those future readiness. Uh, obviously, they're younger age group, so we have to take into considerations, like, which stage of student development they're in. Like, are they ready for that, uh, you know, all of self-actualization and stuff like that. But yeah. Some of the some of the differences, though, is definitely age group, like I said. And, and student affairs in Malaysia is not as robust, like I said, in the beginning as well so uh obviously because we're much smaller a lot of times like campuses here in malaysia are much smaller so everything is in a much smaller scale and obviously because we're in a city like campuses are not as huge as well so we don't really have those like on-campus experiences as much um what else like the interesting thing about higher ed in malaysia as well is we do have a lot of foreign universities having uh their campus branch over here so for example Mm -hmm. like monash like australia and china they have uh there universities here in Malaysia. So um, obviously, we have a very good mix of different races in our offices as well. Uh, Malaysians, there's also uh, people from the UK, um, or sometimes from the US and, and, and Philippines and all these different things. So it's very interesting.
0: Yeah, that's just really nice to hear the diversity. And you did say it's a Southeast Asia regional office. So Definitely. Like you said, there are a lot of professionals in the field just supporting students. And Mm -hmm. when you talked about preparing career readiness, it just gave me chills because you (laughs) are preparing them at a younger age. And like the things that you've talked about, I remember attending LinkedIn sessions as an undergrad student. And that was like my first introduction to LinkedIn. And now y'all are targeting younger students and starting preparing them for the Higher education system, no matter in which country that they want to, it's just really interesting and it's really cool that y'all are starting it early.
1: Right, right. We're trying to plan to see it earlier, so we actually do start career elements earlier, like age ten ish but they're doing oh. more like activities just to explore like what is your interest? What is your personality? And then slowly we do curriculums built up to when they're like um, 14 and stuff like that. We start to tell them like, these are some of the interests that you you mentioned earlier in the years. What are some of these interests can linked and associate to like some of the careers out there. So those are some of the interesting things because we're slowly building it up. We're not mm-hmm. just starting at one age group. So it's very interesting. And, and um, this regional office, like as a career guidance counselor, um, it's brand new, actually. So they mm. just started this year. So it's very interesting, because we just start building all these curriculums and all these uh, programs as well. So there's still a lot of changes going on. There's still a lot of uncertainties, uh, especially during COVID as well. But it's still pretty ex- exciting that we are already starting with all these uh, interactions with the students and parents and teachers in those schools. Um, mm-hmm. Like I said, we have seven schools. So there's a lot of different dynamics in, yeah. in different schools. So there's definitely challenges and, and exciting things going on.
0: I am curious to ask you, if professionals who are job searching and they might be interested in working abroad, what is your one piece of advice on job strategies
1: i remember when i was job searching um outside of us as well i did a lot of uh not just on higher at jobs.com obviously you have to know what schools are out there because a lot of times when you job searching the outside of us they don't really post in one location so you have to know like the school mm-hmm. sometimes then you go onto their websites so it's good to know like what region you want to go for and then look for the schools that you're interested in and then search for it. If you have some connections, that's definitely a plus as well, because that's how um, I connected with people from China. Um, I interview with them as well. And then I also talk to people from Singapore and NUS. Having those connections is definitely a plus. So, you know, just make sure that you're out there make sure you're always checking like LinkedIn or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of time they do post it on LinkedIn more often than on higher ed jobs. Um, because I feel like her adjobs is sometimes more focused on the US side. So if you're looking for jobs outside, it's definitely good to look for those different platforms.
0: Yeah, those are really good tips. Yeah, LinkedIn was
1: definitely a good place to start. I I would highly, highly recommend to, you know, start connecting with people as early as possible, not just when you're starting to look for jobs because you want to start building those connections before you like awkwardly jump into like, hey, do you have a job for me? <laughs>
0: uh-huh. kind of thing. So, yeah. It's like kind of what you said, planting the seed early. Yeah, so. planting the seed
1: earlier. It's, it's very similar in all stages, you know. It depends on how you plant a seed.
0: Mm-hmm. What is one piece of advice that you would like to share to our audiences? Great. Right. I would say go with the flow. I would say this is really important because you know when
1: I started as a student affairs in higher ed, I was really adamant about joining international student support. But when I found out, you know, like the diverse areas in student affairs, I wanted to try all these different areas and get experience from it because I know um, I'm not a person that who can stay still in one area. (laughs) So I love to explore. I love to you know get to know myself a little bit better as well, like which field is the best fit for me as well. So go with the flow, especially. I came from the COVID, I graduate during the COVID times as well. So, you know, there's hiring freeze going on. Um, a lot of things that we can't change and can't control, go with the flow and control only what you can control because your mindset, your reactions to anything that's happening around you, those are things that you can control. But like hiring, freezing, COVID coming out, there's, those are nothing that I can, you know, like make changes to it. So go with the flow, um, making sure that you're thinking about what is important to you and start working on those because, you know, building building your skills building your uh, achievements and stuff, stuff like that those are things that you can control so go with the flow making sure that you think about what is important to you and then start planning a seat. like we've been talking throughout the podcast I always tell people like everyone's pace is different don't compare yourself to mm-hmm. some, someone else mm-hmm. the only person you should compare to is yourself like you should be better than in two years back and and yesterday and stuff like that so don't compare believe in yourself go with the flow you should be fine
0: (laughs) yeah those are really good advices though like when you were saying that I was like "Mm, yes I do agree (laughs) with what you have to share thank you so much Jenny for joining us here today in our global connections podcast it was really nice to be able to chat with you thank you thank you for having me
1: have a great one